Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. I think it's a lot more fun in life when you get a chance to hang out with other people that are championing their own life and going for it. We've launched a Facebook group called Donnie Success Champions Group. Man, come hang out with us. Um, every day we are having uplifting, badass conversations that are just you know, helping people go further in their life. So if you want to, go to Facebook, come hang out, Donnie Success Champions Group. We'll be glad to see you. Right, guys this is gonna be another badass show uh, i'm bringing on a new buddy of mine matt gagnon and dude i can tell you man uh, already from his vibe we're quick chatting we're getting along he's sitting here romantically with the fireplace in the background so you know this is this is gonna be really really fun but i'm donnie bovine this is donnie success champions matt brother welcome to the show my friend tell us your damn story what is happening? That fire is romantic, but it is hot as hell. It is burning <laughs> my like, Oh, this would be a nice ambiance. And I sit down. I'm like, holy shit. This is hot. So um, I'm just do I need to bring out the candles on my end? Oh, I mean, no, no, no. It's cool. I'll take care. The romance is all on my end, man. I got you. So, oh, I'm thrilled to be here. So, um, let me tell you. Let's see. What was I supposed to do? Tell you a little bit about myself, right? So, um, I uh, am originally from Maine, uh, born and raised. And uh, I spent the last 12 years in Austin, Texas. My wife and I are both from Maine. Uh, my gosh, met my wife when we were 15. So we've been together for a while now. I'm 38. So um, we've been Damn. together for a long time. We actually met as competitive fighters in jujitsu. So like <laughs> I was wrestling and grappling with her for like two years before we even started dating. So she's a tough lady. Arguments in our house are awesome. So it's like, <laughs> get in the you cage. Like, like the yeah. wrestling mat room. Somewhere. Oh yeah, it's just I get was... in the cage, let's settle this, <laughs> you know? And so uh, it's awesome, man. We got a five-year-old boy named Fox and kid lights me up. And uh, man, life's been an adventure. I've spent 15 years in, in retail and I spent that time traveling all over the country. And um, that's what brought me to Austin, Texas originally. Man, I'll tell you, like, I just burned myself out in that job. Like, Come someone on. started giving me money and praise at an early age and started promoting me in my 20s. And I just forgot everything I ever wanted to do in life. I just ran with that. I was like, oh, right. I've got money. I'm getting praise. Like, I'm running with it, you know? And uh, I guess for me, it was something like I was trying to find something that replaced football because I played high school football and I loved the praise I got from that. I loved the rush I got from it. And I was trying to find something to replace that. And, uh, and yeah, my career was one of those things, you know, I just, I could out hustle everybody, you know, I wasn't always the most talented guy, but I could outwork anybody, you know? And so right. I would do that. Believe me, I was a 150 pound offensive guard and I, oh, and I was all conference, like meant like I was good. I was starting varsity, man. You don't tell me I'm too small or I can't do something like well, I will find a way bite to their ankles at that way. Oh, that's I, mean, I did, man. I pulled and trapped all day. I just pulled and trapped. I ran a fast 40. Back would be behind me. I'm like, I'm taking you home, baby. So, uh, yeah, I was a human battering ram. But again, oh, that's awesome. I guess what I didn't know back then was how angry I was at that age. I thought I had a really good like life going on, but I bottled a lot of stuff up. So because when I put that helmet on, man, I was a different human being. I was like, you're telling me I can hit people as hard as I want legally. <laughs> they're like, yes. I'm like, perfect. You know, so, but when the helmet came off and, and I couldn't put it back on it anymore, I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't realize how angry I was. So, you know, going into to work and having that career, man, really fulfilled a lot of things for me, but I didn't really know who I was. I was spending so much time in my life trying to people please. You know, I came from a divorced family. I, I was made, uh, I was put in that hero type of role to try and please and keep the peace and mediate and be the strong one. I was told at a young age, you're the man of the house. And I don't think people understand what that does, you know, to a young man, you know, to tell them that as a kid, right. Uh, right. you know, and so came from all that stuff. And um, man, I just spent my whole career trying to please other people, my bosses, trying to be a different leader than, than I naturally was. 
And uh, not knowing my own values, man, I just, uh, I filled those empty tanks with stuff that didn't belong there. And I thought it would make me feel better. I bought shit. I bought a lot of stuff, fancy clothes. I bought a BMW that just made me look like a douchebag. Um, I mean, I like the car. No, nothing against anyone who drives a BMW. The thing is, it's just not for me. But I Dude, bought it because I thought other people would think I was cool. Yeah, I'm going to start a little ticker on my show that every time somebody realizes when they buy a fancy car that they're a douchebag, it's just going to start ringing a bell. I mean, because I can't yeah. tell you how many guys I've had on the show, they're like, I thought success was cars and nice clothes. And, and when I got that shit, all I realized is it just made me an asshole. You know? It did. <laughs> yeah. I was a raging tool at that point in my life. And, uh, you know, that was the thing. Like, I was just getting access to all of these things. And I would spend this money on stuff, hoping it would fill this emptiness inside that I didn't really know was there, but I was trying to feel happy in life. And so, yeah, the cars, uh, you know, the clothes... Uh, I was eating a lot too, because that would make, I was emotionally eating a lot too, you know, even though I was trying to hit the gym. Um, I was traveling 25 nights a month, you know, uh, I was always on the road. And then on top of that, man, like, I didn't know I was getting sick in my 20s, but apparently I was, my energy was starting to dip and I was always praised for high energy. I mean, that was the thing, I could out hustle anybody. And all of a sudden I started getting tired all the time. One, I hadn't slept in like years, it felt like. But the, the main thing was I started drinking 15 cans of sugar-free Red Bull a day. From Jeez. the age of 25 to like 30, I was drinking 25 can, uh, 15 cans of sugar-free Red Bull a day plus 60 milligrams of Adderall. So, man, I so could deadlift my you were doing over-the-counter cocaine. Got it. I was. <laughs> Woo! I was bulletproof, baby. You know, until I wasn't. Uh, it catches up with you. And, uh, and the thing was, you know, people praise that too. They're like, man, you're insane. Like you'll work nonstop. You'll work nonstop. Uh, but I was stressed out of my mind during that time period too. I didn't have the best, you know, support system then. And, uh, man, I, by the time I was 30, I mean, I had like a few nervous breakdowns. Uh, I had raging anxiety. Uh, I was not a good person. You know, I was not in a good chapter in life. I'm a good person, but I really strayed from my values and negotiated with a lot of my morals at that time period in my life. Right. And, uh, and I just didn't know who I was anymore to the point when I reached 30 years old, I feel completely unlovable, completely lost. And this idea of like, man, if anyone knew how rotten I was inside, I'd just be completely unlovable, man. So at that point, that's when I decided like, you know, I'll just take this whole bottle of Adderall and, and we'll just call it a day and that'll be it. And, um, you know, luckily it didn't work out that way. Luckily, uh, you know, that night as I took all those pills, like, Something happened where I remember hearing some music playing. And I was hearing the song Hallelujah playing in the background. It's one of my favorite songs. And uh, uh, there's something about that moment where I was like, man, I just don't want to give up yet. Like, there's a purpose. There's a reason for me, you know, to be here right now. So I just violently purged everything and uh, woke up the next day. The funny part was is drinking all those Red Bulls for all those years kind of built this extreme tolerance to, like, caffeine and the Adderall. So it kind of in some ways saved my ass. Um, but uh, – but yeah, that was an intense experience, but it took, still took two more months after that for me to really hit a bottom in life. And, uh, and when I did, man, that was just like, it was, yeah, it was time to start over. So that's kind of a long, man, I just gave a long rant about kind of who I am, but you know, uh, no, what that's taking me to right now, like I'll dive into anything you want, but where it's taken me today is this, everything that I've gone through in life, you know, whether it was, you know, going through divorce as a kid you know, uh, being exposed to pornography when I was a little kid too, like just uh, all of these different things, people pleasing, you know, abusing caffeine, all that stuff. Like where it got me to today was this understanding that, man, I know that I'm built to thrive through anything. And I can do that with this purpose of no, that I can serve other people because of it. Like I, I'm, I'm very strong. Like uh, faith is a core foundation for me too that's grown over the years. And, and I truly do believe that like my faith, God, um, whatever it is in your world built me to thrive through adversity so I could serve other people. And it's true, man. Like I've been through so many things I thought were like, I could not survive. And I'm like, I lived <laughs> shit. All right. Like I cannot be sunk. You what's know, next? <laughs> what's next? Yeah. You know, I don't challenge it. I don't bring it on. I don't ask for it, but, but I just know like I can get through stuff. And, uh, and so I, what I really discovered was, is that, I didn't know what my values were in life. You know, all my values that I had growing up were the values that were defined by other people, right? Values that other people told me I should have the things that would make me happy, the cars, the clothes that, uh, happiness is a six figure salary. 
you know, all of these things were put into my head, act a certain way, talk a certain way, and I would just conform. And uh, all that led me to was looking good on paper. I look good on the outside, but man, on the inside, I was just empty, like just broken. I was so miserable, yet people are saying like, man, I wish I had your life. I'm like, shit, you don't. You know, uh, I mean, it, it literally almost destroyed my marriage. I mean, it just, it almost destroyed me. Uh, it destroyed a lot of relationships that I was in. I was, you know, seriously, I was a manipulator. I was a bully at times. I was uh, lying, you know, like I was just not in a good place. And, and the thing was, I didn't want to be that way. I was just hurting inside, man. So I really decided that it was time to go forward in life and rediscover, not reinvent, but rediscover my values in life. Go back to that time period where it was much simpler and realize what were the things that I really enjoyed doing, the things that really filled me up, the things that made me feel proud of myself. You know, what were those things? And to tap back into that and completely restructure my life from the ground up again. And Dude, that's what I've spent awesome. the past eight years doing, man. Yeah, that's the past that's eight years. And, you know, and I'll tell you what, that journey in my 20s that I thought was like something I couldn't survive was just a warm up to what would end up coming into my 30s, yeah. you know? That was the warm up and I was like so thankful for it. It's amazing to be thankful for some really shitty experiences in your life knowing that it prepared you and trained you for the bigger, you know, for the bigger thing coming later on. Yeah. I'm so thankful for it, man. Well, that's why they say everything's a freaking journey, man, because because I mean it- Everywhere you go, there you are. At the same token, everything you've done has built you to what's coming right. up next, man. It's, 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 it's freaking awesome. You know, I'm curious. I can't tell you how many guys I bring on the show, and gals, that had to hit some sort of fucking rock bottom <laughs> to start climbing. And, yeah. you know, I've got the same story, you know, of the stupid shit and having to freaking bottom yeah. out. You know, why the hell do we do that? Why the hell... Do we put ourselves so, so freaking south before yeah. we start trying to find our way out of it and going for it? I mean, it, you know, here's, here's the honest truth to it is uh, I don't think you realize how incredibly creative and resourceful you are until your back's up against the wall. Right. So you've true. actually been challenged. You don't know how friggin' brilliant you are. <laughs> and like, I really had no idea what I was capable of until my back was against the wall. And I was like, holy cow, this Again, on paper, I should not have survived or gotten through any of this stuff, but here I am, you know, and it just, it's a testimony, man, that we are so, and and I work with clients on that stuff too, where I've had people say like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to start this business yet. I've got 30,000 in savings. I got a great job, but you know, I need to make sure that this business I start is going to be a sure thing. I'm like, sure thing? <laughs> then you don't even Seriously? start Seriously? <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You know what your problem is? You're never going to do this business. I told him straight up. I yeah. said, you know why? You're not desperate enough. Yep. I was like, that's it. What's going to happen when you lose all that savings? You know, you get sick. Someone dies. You lose your job. What are you going to do? Just give up? You'll find a way. You'll fight like hell. Yep. And, and that's the thing. And, and it's funny you mention that because this last year, my wife and I decided to go on this journey to show people that you don't have to be against the wall in order to take a transformational step in life. Like if there's something you truly want to do in life, go after it, man. Like, so we thought about that every single day. We always thought about what it'd be like to be traveling, you know, to not have the mortgage anymore, be free and, uh, and have less stuff. Yet every day we did the total opposite. We accumulated more crap, more debt. Um, so finally we had enough and it was actually my wife who took the initiative. I remember coming home one day, it was, uh, I think in May of 2018 and there's like people boxing stuff up in the house. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, we're doing this. You're, you're either coming or you're not. And I was like, holy shit. All right, that. let's do it. You know, so I was already kind of preparing for it, but I was going at a, at a different route and she needed, she needed a different way of going about it. So they were just packers. We were packing stuff for something we didn't know we were going to do. You know, we just, we had no idea what we're going to do, but we just started packing and purging. We used a guest room in our house. It was about a 10 by 11 guest room. We used that as an offsite template. We're like, all right, if it fits in this room, we keep it. If it doesn't, it's out. You know, so we <laughs> filled that room with stuff that we absolutely love. You know, I kept uh, some family treasures, my vinyl collection, any musical instruments. Like that was the stuff. I'm like, this stuff brings me joy. The rest of it's garbage. I don't care anymore. You know, and again, we still don't know what we're going to do. All we know is we want to travel. We want to spend the first year, if we can, just maybe in an RV, maybe another part of the country. We'll find a way to do it cheap and cheerful, man. And so, um, yeah, we just kept planning. And 
got a leasing agent, got a real, a real estate agent, figured out what's going to be best. Lease the house, sell the house, figured leasing the house is going to be the best thing. We could make some money off of it. Awesome. Put it on the market, man. Dude, within like in a week, man, we had a dream client. Unbelievable. They paid us all eight months up front. Who does oh, that? Shit. You know? <laughs> yeah, they were like, we don't like doing monthly payments, so I hope you don't mind we pay up front. I was like, I totally get it. I don't like monthly payments either. So, <laughs> you know, I would do the same thing. Right. Um, so, you know, amazing experience having that. And so the thing with my business, I can work from anywhere in the world, man. As long as I've got internet and cell phone, I'm golden. And um, so, yeah, like we've got this house up for lease now. We've got to get out by the end of June. We still don't know where we're going yet. You know, we got a five-year-old. We've got all these unanswered questions, man. I go to one of my men's groups that I'm in, a bunch of great guys, and I'm like, hey, and I went on LinkedIn and posted it there too. I'm like, I'm going on an adventure. I'm documenting this thing. I'm letting go of all of my stuff that's held me hostage. I'm like, I need help finding an RV or a place to crash for a few months. You know, we want to go on an adventure, my family and I. Who's got something? You know, because our credit was pretty rough still from uh, when I was in debt from being sick and all this other stuff in my life. And so, uh, but yeah, like up, uh, we were planning on leaving Texas by July 11th. That was our deadline. No matter what, we'll go to Maine if we have to. That's where we're from. We got family there. And literally, we didn't secure an RV until like the week before we left. Like a good friend of mine from my group said, hey, uh, we got an RV. And I was like, sweet. He goes, we got a motorhome. It's a 45-foot motorhome. Sleeps 10. I'm like, awesome, dude. Like, if you got room for my, my three, my, my wife and I, my son, and we got two bulldogs, man, two English bulldogs, that's cool. We'll, we'll do it. Gave us a great deal on it every month. We had it for three straight months, man. I never drove one of those things in my entire life. Like, plans were changing at the last second on what we were going to be doing. That's but finally, we end up, he, he takes it with his family. He's got like four kids of his own, takes it to Nashville, Tennessee. We meet him in Nashville, Tennessee, and then we ride with him all the way to New York drop him and his family off at a vacation place. And then we take it to Maine from there. That was the first time I ever drove that thing. It was that day, 45 foot motorhome, And I'm, and I'm towing my Jeep behind it too. I'm Tell like, me you've Whoa. seen the Robin Williams movie RV. Oh yeah, man. Dude, I almost turned that thing into a convertible going through Niagara Falls. We just missed the low clearance sign. He's my, my buddy's six, seven. He's leaning out the window to make sure we don't clip the thing. But you know, that was the thing we wanted to show people though. Like, look, We've always dreamed about doing this one thing every single day. What would happen if we just did it? It's not like, you know, most people wouldn't do something like that unless they were going to lose their house or something extreme happened. We're like, no, we just want to do this. Let's do it. Let's just try it. Right. Man, we've had a blast, dude. Like right now I'm staying in, I don't own this house. This, this house belongs to a friend of mine I went to high school with, you know, out in Maine. It's about 20 minutes from where I grew up. And he's like, yeah, once you guys are done with the RV, you can crash at this place. You know, they live in Connecticut now and, uh, and they gave us a great deal uh, to stay here every month. That's un, un, uh, just completely unheard of. We're having a blast here, man. Granted, it's a town of 500 people. There's not many people here at all. Right. Like my son is going to kindergarten right now at the same school I went to. You know, his, his <laughs> grandmother, my mother, works in the school. Like this is a crazy experience. So, um, you know, my I wanted this chapter for my son. I wanted a chance to kind of get out there and explore. But my son's getting a chance to play with his grandparents every day. You know, and that was an experience I didn't really have to. My grandparents weren't young enough to really like play with me as a kid, but he's four wheeling, snowmobiling. He's out, he's filthy every day he comes home. No <laughs> iPad in his hand, man. He's playing in the dirt and I love it, man. So, That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, Good you don't, you don't I mean, have to be against the wall. Yeah. You know, here's what I tell everybody is, is one, before I say that, Good on you because a lot of people talk a lot of shit, right? You know, they're, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Um, freaking kudos for actually doing it, man. That's, that's, that's badass. It really is. You know, and I love this entire thought process of you don't want to be stacked against the wall. Cause I tell everybody, dude, if you're not getting punched in the face every freaking day, you're not going for it, right? You're, you're not screwing things up, blowing things up. So you don't have to be rock bottom. You just got to be moving forward. Yeah. You know, let me tell you this, man. Like just because I went after my dream doesn't mean it's been easy. This year has stretched the shit out of me. Like, I mean, it has stretched me. It stretched my marriage at times, but then it's also brought us back together. You know, like it has challenged me. Like I told you, all I need is Wi-Fi and cell phone to run my business. These are two things that don't exist in Maine. Like it's been challenging at times to do that. I'm doing my business from the Jeep in town somewhere or like in a basement of a library, like whatever it takes. 
But uh, it's really challenged us as a family to come together more. And honestly, it's, it's, it's making me healthier in a lot of ways too. But there are times, man, where it really rocked my world. I mean, back in October, man, I, hit a, I, I battled depression sometimes as a side effect of some, some health issues. And man, it got me so hard when I was here in Maine in October that uh, I didn't have the support system that I do in Austin. I, I checked into a hospital, man. Like I, I was really struggling. And, but I'm man enough and smart enough and aware enough to know like, hey, what I'm thinking right now, that's not real. Like, this is not real stuff. This, what I'm going through is not cool, but I need to tap out and go get some help. You know, because one of the greatest lessons I've learned in this journey is no one climbs a mountain alone. God damn You know, right. no man climbs yeah. a mountain alone, no woman, no person. No one climbs a mountain. You never heard of someone saying they climbed Everest by themselves. Like, you hear about someone who died trying. Yeah. But like, you know, it's just like you, you have your tribe. You have your people. And I tell you, man, along the way in life, I learned how to ask for help. And I learned how to surround myself with a strong circle of, of strong men of faith, you know, strong guys, guys that are not just going to talk sports with me, but they're going to talk about what matters in life, what's going on underneath the surface that really genuinely care. The ones that will be there for me when I'm struggling, but will also call me out of my crap when I need it too, and call me yeah. forth and tell me to step up, you know, so that's been game changing for me. Absolutely. You know, here's what's interesting is, is um, when I was, was really starting my business at the six month mark, I was about ready to shut my business down yeah. because it wasn't working. And there was a cool couple of common denominators. One, I'd been an employee for 20 years and I didn't know how to be a business owner. I didn't know how to change yeah. the mindset to a business. Yeah. Second thing, I was so prideful and so egotistical, I was refusing to ask advice of anybody because I didn't want anybody to know how bad I was screwing shit up, you yeah. know? And it really took me taking a huge dose of freaking humble pie to, to start reaching out and asking for help where people started giving me advice and I was able to pull my head out of my ass. Yeah. But you I guarantee know. you, you're probably the type of guy I can just tell, like, you do anything for anybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. that you're used to people coming to you looking for the guidance. The that, yeah, 100%, 100%. You know, so it's like, oh, you know, for me, that was the same thing. And I was like, man, if I tell somebody I'm struggling, they're probably going to think, oh, shit, this is really bad. <laughs> like, right. This guy's in a bad place. Fuck, we should all just off ourselves. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, it's not good. Um, so, but, uh, you know, but that was a lie. And, and here's where I really learned that lesson. So, uh, 2013 was a real year of transition for me. Um, I'm still working in retail. Uh, my wife is just about ready to give birth to our son. And uh, it's around April. And, uh, and so we're all ready for this. We got it planned. She's going to be out of work for six months. We got a brand new house built in a nice part of Austin. Um, I've got a, a, a great job with, uh, with Under Armour at the time. And I'm still traveling a lot. But uh, things are going well. And then the day comes when my son's being born and everything didn't go well. <laughs> like everything, like the whole thing, our whole birth plan just went way bonkers, you know? And um, it looked pretty scary for a while. I wasn't sure if either one of them were going to make it at one point. And man, what a, what a terrifying feeling it was because I'd done all this work already to rebuild myself you know, and go through all this boot camp of self-discovery. And now I have this family opportunity. I feel like it's all going to be taken away, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm sitting there in this empty hospital room because I can't go in. Like I wanted to be in there. My wife's having an emergency C-section. I want to be in there for it. But then all of a sudden they tell me you can't go in. Uh, she's got to go under anesthesia. Uh, she, she can feel everything. So we got to give her, we got to give her anesthesia. That was her worst nightmare. And, and for me too, like I can't be there for it, right. you know? So I push the nurse out of the way. I go in anyways, and I just let her know everything's going to be okay. And then things get really crazy and I have to leave. So I'm just waiting there, hoping something works out. And finally they wheel my son into that room, just him. And man, I tell you, when I saw my son's face, like everything changed, like something clicked inside that just said, all right, like my, my time's good. Like I've, I've had my moment in the sun to be cool and do all that stuff. Everything's about him now. And I was like, I want to show this kid, what it means to build something of his own. I want to show him it's never too late in life to go after your, your dream, your passion, you know, what your purpose is in life. It just all these thoughts happened within a half a second. And then the next thing happened was this was like, his whole birth plan was out of order. You know, he's been born into trauma. I don't want this kid feeling alone in this world. So all it, all I knew how to do, like I just took my shirt off and I held him against my skin and just wanted him to feel safe. You know, no matter what, this kid's going to be all right. 
And I just held him against me, man. And it was pure bliss. And uh, finally, my wife came out, you know, uh, over an hour later. And she was, you know, she was beat up pretty bad from it. But luckily, she recovered, but it took a long time. Um, but it was a beautiful moment. And it made me really thinking, like, why have I been traveling so much all these years? Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to miss out on this kid's life. 25 nights a month, I'll see him on weekends, if that. And even when I'm home on weekends, I'm not that present, you know. And so, um, you know, my wife's recovering. My dad's there. He flew down from Maine with my stepmother, my two half sisters. And my dad and I, best friends, man, super cool dude. And uh, having him there and sharing that moment with him, sitting on the couch, he's got his arm around me, he's holding my son. Like, it was just like perfection in that moment. You know, and so that was really cool. Even though my wife was was really hurting, like that moment was still pretty sweet. And I remember before my dad got on a plane, literally like the next day, you know, he he gave me a uh, he gave me some simple like dad advice, just about checking the temperature of the milk and stuff on your wrist and all that. <laughs> but he told me, you know, uh, told me a couple things. I remember one, he told me is looking out on the back patio of my house. It was just a beautiful home. He just said, "Man, you've made it. Like this house is gorgeous." Like looking at the sunset, I'm so I'm proud of you. You made it. And one of the last things he said before he left was like, "You're gonna be a great father," and uh, and then uh, it was just unreal. And I remember June 5th, you know, shortly after, about a month later, I'm talking to my dad on the phone because we talk like three, four times a week, and uh, you know, talking to him. My wife is actually in Maine right now at that time. Like a month after our son's born, her grandmother passes away. Mm -hmm. And so she gets on a plane, she's hurt and she can't bring our son with her because she's, she's too still hurt, but she's there in, in Maine. My dad is actually going to go visit her at the airport on the 6th before she flies back to Texas to go say hi to her. They're very close. And so I'm having a great chat with my dad about something. Like we talked about random stuff. Uh, I remember telling him I'd, I'd burned 1200 calories mowing the lawn because I was wearing a garbage bag suit. He goes, why would you what's wrong with you? I was like, I just wanted to see if I could do it. He's like, you're in text. You're insane. But we had those conversations. He was screaming at the cable company about something. We had a good chat. Um, but something did feel a little strange about that call. But all I did was just choose to stay present. I said, I love you. And we hung up the phone. And then next morning I got the call and he had, he had passed away. Um, he had just, he was gone instantly from, uh, uh, you know, basically like a heart attack. And, uh, just gone. It was over. Uh, and it was an incredible shock. And, you know, uh, you know, that moment really shook me up quite a bit having to go home and fly back. And, uh, my mom was actually in Texas with me at that time. And, uh, she had to take care of my son and she was going to fly back with him a couple days later. And I had to take off that night, but, uh, it was a big wake up call, man. Mm -hmm. You know, and I also started looking at what I was grateful for too. I was grateful. I had a moment to say goodbye to him. Um, and I had that chance to say, I love you one more time. Uh, and I'm grateful that when he passed, there was nothing left unsaid between him and I, you know, we did it all, man. We were best friends. He got, we got to know each other a little bit as men, you know, and I got to thank him for all the heroic dad stuff he did for me growing up, <laughs> you know, like they were divorced. My mom and my dad were divorced by the time I was like a year old, you know, so I have no memories of them together, but you know, he would travel two hours sometimes one way just to visit me for two hours you know, and, uh, and he would pick me up every other weekend and I'd spend that time with him. He never complained. He never spoke a bad word about my mom. You know, they, they got along really well too, but like he was, I just didn't realize what a superhero kind of thing that was, you know, and he worked 30 years as a maintenance man for his ex-mother-in-law, you know, <laughs> like he was, he, he did whatever it takes, you know, and, uh, man, I just learned so many lessons from that guy, but I'm thankful I had a chance in life to thank him for that you know, and before he passed. And so it's really cool. Like, and he taught me everything about music, man. So at his funeral, you know, I had, uh, uh, I played the Beatles. We had golden slumbers, carry that weight in the end were the three songs that played at his funeral. Those are the last three songs of Abbey road, man, that symbolized the end of the Beatles. And it was a, it was a beautiful moment. Now I have a quote from the golden slumbers album above my son's crib at the time. And so, uh, very special, but that started the whole kickoff on transition, man. Like that, those two things happened real quick. And I was like, something's got to change. So, you know, it was later, it was about a year later, I finally explored coaching and said, man, the only thing I love about this retail gig is developing people. Like, I love that. I was responsible for the operations and loss prevention and the marketing, delivering like, you know, uh, revenue. But my main thing was I hired teams, I built teams, I developed them and we, we delivered great results. 
You know, I focused on that. You take care of your people first as a servant style leadership, you know, and then the results will follow. And so I took care of my people first. And that's the part of the job I loved. I could care less about shelling shirts and shoes, man. It just didn't make sense to me anymore. You know, right. the intensity around the Kool-Aid drinking and all that. I'm thankful for the experience I got. I worked for some great companies, but it just didn't make sense to me anymore. You know, I was like, I, I feel like I'm called to do something different here. to jump in here and take a second to let our sponsors tell you a little bit about what they do guys do me a favor and check them out they're really helping this show become what it's becoming support for this podcast comes from point blank safety services and blue family fund point blank safety services does safety differently we know everyone is on a journey and we want to make sure you get where you're going safely professional trained ready there's really no comparison Here's why hiring Point Blank Safety for your next project will make all the difference and save you huge amounts of stress and hassle. Point Blank Safety Services provides certified, uniformed police officers for a full suite of armed guard services. Don't leave the safety of your project to chance. If you're ready to make sure safety truly comes first for your next project, then visit us at pointblanksafety.com. Blue Family Fund helping dependents of law enforcement families on their journeys. Blue Family Fund is a nonprofit that raises funds and offers financial support through higher education scholarships for dependents of law enforcement officers and by providing financial assistance for families of fallen law enforcement officers. Every dollar donated will go to the families of police officers, either through scholarships to dependents of police officers or as aid to fallen officers' families. Visit us at bluefamilyfund.com. And now back to the show. And so I wanted to go to this school, the Coaches Training Institute, but it was like 15 grand of money that I didn't have. My wife is still out of work. I mean, we're now a year of her out of work. We didn't budget for that. We're hurting. Um, and so uh, my wife, though, I remember telling her, I was like, I really want to do this thing. Like, I really, I just, I feel called, but we don't have the money. And I'm complaining a lot. And finally she said, why don't you quit being such a sissy and sign up for it? We'll find the money. God, you know, I love it'll work wife. out. God will provide somehow. We'll find the money. And I was like, that was a high five moment, you know, and I was like, all right, let's do this. And, you know, I learned a, a very important lesson because when I called the school, um, I got in touch with a program advisor and I was like, there's no way I can afford to do the whole thing. So I'm just going to do the first class. You know, I'll do that. I'll piece it together. And uh, I can't finance anything. I don't have any credit. So can't do that. I get on the phone with them, start telling them my situation. They're like, oh yeah, well, we can do a payment plan. There's no financing. Just pay before the course. You know, we'll make it work. And I was like, holy cow, this could be doable now. It was a, an important lesson I started to learn there. You don't know what's possible till you ask. Right, right. You know, you just don't know what's possible. I could have let those voices in my head shut me down. And I never would have found out. But I found a way to make it happen. I show up to my first course, man. I'm telling you what, I knew something special was happening because as I'm driving to this weekend course for the first one, um, I'm, I'm scared. And I hadn't felt fear in a while about doing something. I hadn't felt fear in a while. I was like, man, this is something stirring up. I was like, this must mean something's important. This is important to me. Cause I'm thinking, I'm getting that thought in my head. Like, I feel like I'm born to do this. What if I'm no good at it? Yep. That thought, like when I'm having that fear, I'm like, that means something's important. going to happen, man. I showed up into that class and I left it all on the table. Like as soon as I walked in there, I was like, I found my people. I just knew it. The energy in the room, there's about 18 of us there. There's two facilitators and I just instantly knew I was home. And it was the first time I felt like, man, I belong here. And I'll tell you what, they started the whole course off and said, Hey, who wants to experience coaching for the first time? Who wants to be coached in front of the whole room? I'm like, yeah, I'm game. Like I've spent a lot of money on it. Like, let's do it. I spilled my guts out to everybody there. You know, I'm crying and like the facilitators were emotional too. And they said, let's just take a 15 minute break. And so, like, I'm getting some water, you know, and I'm trying to catch my breath. And I'm like, man, what have I done? And uh, the facilitators came up to me, uh, Cynthia Lloyd Darst and Randy Brenneman. And they said, man, do you know what you just did? I was like, I don't know. I was crying a lot and stuff. It's kind of a blur. And uh, they said, well, you went so deep you know, so vulnerable that you basically gave everyone else in this room permission to do the same. This is going to be a great weekend. Like you, you just want, it normally takes two days into the course before someone gets to that point. Like you just came out of the gate that way. And it taught me a lesson right there too: the strength and vulnerability, 
you know, that was something I believed in too, that like, look, you know, sharing our vulnerability, man, really is a strength and it gives permission for others to do the same. And it also connects our stories, man. It makes us feel like we're not alone. So, you know, I brought that mentality everywhere I went. You know, it's, it's, it's so wild. Um, and I think my wife and your wife would get along really, really well because yeah. there was a, a time when my company was on the rocks and I'm looking at my wife going, babe, I don't know if we're going to be able, we're going to lose a farm. We're going to lose the trucks. I built a second home on a property for my mother-in-law. I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do with her without skipping a beat. She was teary eyed. She looked right back at me. She did go sell something. I don't care what get off yeah. your ass and go sell something. And that's what I did. You know, I mean, there you go, man. and it just sometimes, man, Superman fucking had Lois Lane, right? You know, right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's awesome. So you dive into this coaching program, you know, and uh, I love the whole machismo thing where you get all the dudes together and do their thing. Um, uh, because you always figure out who's, who's got the real machismo and who's been faking their entire life. You yeah, know? you got that right, man. <laughs> I've been on both ends. Oh, you and me both. You and me yeah. both. You know, um, you know, uh, it's it's interesting. You know, through your journey, you kind of get this constant theme of it's the moments, right? It's uh, there's certain moments yeah. in time that that have just impacted you greatly, right? You know, is is that something you're teaching to other people? Is to look for the moments? Yeah, you man, know? that's that call to adventure. You know, I became a huge fan of Joseph Campbell and his hero's journey. Yeah, a freaking dude. You know, I built this show because of Joseph Campbell. Yeah, I watched his documentary, uh, Finding Joe, like a thousand times, you know. And that storytelling process really inspired me. And before I even did that, I already named my company Life Story Coaching because I had this belief system. Like, it's like, man, you know what? Like, everybody's got a powerful life story. The problem is, like, so many people haven't told it. They've never said it out loud or they minimize it and compare it to somebody else's. Right. You know? You don't have to do something extraordinary in life to have a powerful story, but we all got one. You know, the facts might be different, but the feelings and emotions we work through are the same, you know, and you just can't compare it to anybody else's. So, um, you know, I really started to embrace that concept. Um, and, and I love teaching that to other people. The thing is, is that I want to make sure that I can be there to help show people their blind spots so that they know how to answer that call to adventure. You know, that call to adventure isn't always sunshine and rainbows, man. Hell Sometimes no. <laughs> it's you lose your job, your whole world gets flipped upside down, you know, and that's that call to adventure. And you have to choose whether or not you're going to answer it. So I want to be there with people. Most of the people who come to me, they know something's happening. They either sense it's coming and they don't know what to do or they're in it. And they're like, I've never experienced this and I'm ready to do something different. Right. You know, I, I get to, people come to me when they're starting to ask questions usually and they're getting curious. Like this, the way I've been doing things isn't right. There's got to be a different way, but I have no idea what that looks like. All I know is what I know, you know, that's it. And so, you know, look, I had my calling. Like I already thought I had had my call to adventure. No, man, I, those were just warmups. You know, <laughs> those were just touch bases. Well, I, you <laughs> I, know, I think when people get that, that knock on the door, that knock on the head or the kick in the ass, however you want to yeah. look at it, you know, you either step in or shut the hell up. I mean, that, that, yeah. that's, that's my opinion because I think too many people are, are, talking a big game i'm yeah. gonna do this i'm gonna accomplish this well, fucking start doing it don't don't sit there and tell me that it's gonna go step into it yeah. dude and i gotta tell you i love the fact that you said when you were on that drive that that fear popped up and and yeah. you know that's when you knew that's it man man i think that fear when it comes in that's the universe saying dude it's the right fucking direction dude that stuff like so in coaching like it, we all have that saboteur voice, that voice that tells us we're not good enough or we don't have the time, we don't have the money, we don't have the resources, the education, all that crap. Like everyone's got that voice that we've inherited over time from someone in some place and some things. And it's important to know it because when it shows up, it doesn't show up just for shits and giggles. It shows up because you're about to do something incredible. Right. You know, that's the only time it shows up. It's terrified of change, man. And the messed up thing is that voice is not trying to be malicious to you. It's just terrified. It's, it's, it's trying to protect you from getting hurt, taken advantage of, burned, losing, you know, whatever. It comes from a place of fear, though. 
And so teaching people and me learning how to silence that voice, you can't get rid of it. It's, it's always going to be there, but you got to learn how to take its power away. Right. And not let it steer the ship anymore. Cause look, I always tell people this, I'm like, look, you got that voice in your head. If you were, if this was your company, would that voice be in your C-suite? Like, no. I'm like, well then take them out of it. Like put this person in the basement, like put them with the file cabinets and stuff. Like take the power away from that person. But listen to it. When you feel that voice coming up, man, something's happening. You know, what's on the other side of it? Yeah. But I, you I, I think a lot of people, because they haven't had a lot of experience in their life. Yeah. You know, stepping into that fear, you know, because so many people play the game of good enough. Yeah. You know, dude, I had a killer sales career and did really, really well. But it wasn't until I jumped out of my own, started my own company that I realized that I was national awards and all that shit. But it was just good enough. Right. Yeah. I was never fully freaking betting on myself. But in, and, you know, it's, it's amazing once you realize that you've kind of been half ass in life. As a whole. <laughs> Dude. And that's the thing. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're supposed to do it. Right. Like you can be extraordinary at something else though, you know, and, and you can feel it when you are. And so look, I got, you, you can either make the jump yourself or you're going to, you might get kicked into it. And for me, like I was taking the steps, but it was going to take me an eternity to make that move into full-time coaching. Cause I had this story again, man, I can't afford to take a 10% pay cut. Like I right. can't any pay cut right now. But I had started working with clients from day one. You want to talk about why it was meant to be? First night of my first class, I had my first paying client. They didn't even know I was a coach yet. They found me on LinkedIn, an 18-year-old guy from Chicago, Walter. He lets me tell the story. Like He found me on LinkedIn. He said, man, I love your writing. I was already writing a lot about leadership and stuff and uh, exploring vulnerability and leadership. And he said, man, I like your style. I'd love to hire you as a mentor. I don't have much money though. You know, He paid me five bucks for 30 minutes of my time, man. It was the greatest <laughs> PayPal alert I'd ever had. Five bucks. I was like, woo! And they took their, you know, 3% of that too. Uh, but like still, someone paid me to do my dream. I was like, that's it. If one person's willing to pay me, someone else will pay me. And I, if someone paid me five bucks, someone will pay me 5,000 someday. Who knows? You know, so I just started working with people. And the thing was, is like, I couldn't afford any other tools or resources. I was broke and I, and I was working 70 hours a week already. You know, so, but I work nights and weekends coaching people. I went on LinkedIn, man. That was a bold moment. I remember going on LinkedIn and I changed my headline from like retail district manager and I added life coach to it. I didn't care about the title. Everyone else worried about what do you call yourself? I'm like life coach, whatever. And uh, I put it on there. I was like, wow, shit, I did it. I've declared <laughs> it to the world now. But then I went back like five minutes later. I was like, wait a second. I was like, why did I put it second? Like, that's what my life purpose is. That's my calling. And I was like, well, I was afraid if my work saw that I put yeah. life coach first, I was like, screw it. And I did it. I put it first and I changed it. And I was like, that's what I'm supposed to do. And that was it. Like, and I just started, I rewrote my summary and I changed it from being about my company and all of the awards that I've won in my past and all the success I had to, you know, this is what I believe in. I changed it to, I believe in comeback stories, you know, and, and that's because I felt like I was one. You know, there was a time earlier when I was 250 pounds and I had to lose all this weight and regain my life back again. And I was like, man, I love comeback story movies like Rocky and Rudy. I was like, why can't I be one? I can be one. I can do this shit. Right. So I did. And so I believed in that stuff. And so th those were transformational moments. And I remember starting working with clients slowly over time. Anytime I could, I didn't worry about my niche. I didn't worry about having a website or an LLC or business cards or all that other crap. I just said, this is what I'm supposed to do. You got to get in the game. You know, a shooter's got to shoot. Coach has to coach. Like I could think about coaching all I want to and make the perfect business plan, but I'm not shit until I actually do something. I actually had a football coach that used to say that your potential doesn't mean shit till you do something. I was like, I like that. Yeah. Potential has a shelf life too. So I just well, got in the game. I, 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 it's so fun. I, I, you're a nice story. There's a lot of similar crossovers, but, but, but you know, the, the funny thing, about it is I went the opposite route when I launched my company. You know, I did the LLC, I did the yeah. website and did dude, everything that I put on my site originally is absolutely gone. Right. <laughs> Cause for me, I had no clue what the hell I was doing. Yeah. Uh, I just thought, okay, I'm a badass sales guy. I'm great on stage. 
I'm going to put a shingle up and the world's going to open its arms and say, hey, Donnie finally arrived. Yes, <laughs> I'm, here. I'm here. I am here. Well, yeah, that doesn't work. So I actually had to get my teeth kicked in, you know, and, you know, have my business almost completely go under. Right. To realize, you know, hey, this is what it means. And, yeah. you know, getting my own coaches. And here's a funny thing. How many coaches do you have, are you working with right now? Oh man, I've got like a few. <laughs> like, yeah, well, a therapist. Right, you know? right. Well, <laughs> and the reason I bring that up is, is I can't tell you how many coaches that I've talked to over my journey. And I'm like, great. You know, I'd love to work with you. Who do you coach with? Oh, I don't currently have a coach. Or I, I Oh, you're hitting the button, man. And I'm like, going. I'm like, how the fuck are you coaching? Yeah. If you don't have a coach. You don't believe in coaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't afford it. Get out of the game. But I'll take your money. <laughs> right. That's like a doctor who doesn't believe in doctors. You know, right. it's like, oh, no, I'm good. No, no, I don't. Well, <laughs> I don't believe in this thing on LinkedIn. They're like, I'm looking for advice on X. I'm not yeah. interested in paying anybody, but I would like your opinion. I'm like, what? Yeah. No, you know, that's the thing. You got to have some skin in the game. Yeah. You know, if you're going to take this seriously, you got to have some skin in the game. And I love that you said that because I totally believe in that. Coaches have to have coaches, you know, and that's why I've always surrounded myself with people better than me, you know, and and I have a support system. I have men's groups that I go to. I have great friends that call me on stuff. I got coach friends. Like, man, I surround myself with great people because that's the only way I'm going to be great. And that was the other thing too. Like, I would have gone the same route you did and did all that planning work too. But the thing was, I was broke. Like I had no money to do any of that stuff. All I had was a LinkedIn page. That was free. And I was like, all right, I can roll. I didn't have a premium account, you know, but I had a LinkedIn page. I'm like, I can roll with this. I'll just start writing. I'll just start telling stories, you know? And there was no videos back then or anything like that. I've been on LinkedIn. I've been on LinkedIn for like eight years now. Like that's old for LinkedIn. But, uh, but like I'd been on there for a while. I already had a decent following going too, you know? And, um, but I was like, this is what I have to work with. I have no choice. I have to be creative. I have to be resourceful, but I refuse to let anything stop me from doing this, you know? And I remember one thing was this cool thing about the course was every time you took a course, you were also qualified now to be an assistant in that course if they offered it again and you could do it for free. It's like a thousand dollar class. You can be an assistant in now for free. So I remember there was a gap between my first class and my second class. There was a ch- I assisted in that class, like as an assistant, the next one before I took my second class. Like I was all in, man. Like I just wanted to flex that muscle as much as possible. And so everything changed by April 10th of 2015, though. I'm halfway through coaching school. I'm having a great time at my job, but things are starting to go downhill for me. My health is really struggling. Like, and things are changing. Like I was a, a really gifted in the area of conflict resolution. Like I was good with that stuff. I was good under pressure. I had massive amounts of energy. I could get stuff done. But all of a sudden I find myself falling asleep in between store visits. Like I'm sleeping in the parking lot. I can barely stay awake during like my store visits. Um, My emotions are all over the place. Like if my boss was upset about something, which would be something minor, I was either Hulk-like angry or like crying. Like, I was like, why is this happening? Like, what, what's going on with me? I can't stop crying, you know, and everything's changing. And uh, I'm going through massive amounts of depression and energy levels are just depleted. And I, I turned out, man, I was getting sick. Like, I already knew I had a hormone, hormonal imbalance with testosterone. When I was 30, my body just basically said, hey, we're done doing this. I never abused, you know, steroids or anything like that. I just stressed my body out so much. It's just that, hey, we're done, you know. And so uh, uh, I had to start going on hormone treatments. But also, man, I was, I was diagnosed with uh, Addison's disease uh, where my body stopped making adrenaline and cortisol, the two hormones you need to fight stress. It's a rare autoimmune disorder. And so instead of going into fight or flight, when I get stressed emotionally and physically, I'd go into shock. I could go into adrenal crisis. It could be fatal. You know, you can manage it, you can live with it, but it is a pain in the ass disease and it's not a one size fits all thing. And it wreaks havoc on your emotional system too. You know, my sense of well-being was all jacked up. I mean, there were days I couldn't brush my teeth. I was so tired, you know, and I was diagnosed with narcolepsy. You know, I just thought I like naps, but like, no, I really like naps, you know? And so, um, you know, and then this other weird thing, cataplexy, all these labels started getting thrown on me. And then I started developing these weird muscle spasms that were like seizures. I couldn't go to the gym anymore. My body would just cramp up and I'd shake violently, you know, and uh, all this stuff was happening. And then my doctor was also saying, man, I think you got a traumatic brain injury from all the concussions in high school football. 
Um, I was like, I didn't realize I had concussions, but I could document at least 12 major hits that I had that shook my dome pretty well, you know, and being a human battering ram, I was like, man. And so all these things were domino effects. And so I sat there in the car, in the parking lot of my doctor's office on April 10th with all this stuff that was going on and I'm a disaster. And I'm thinking to myself like, man, I could take more medication, more pills, or maybe, maybe it's the job, like maybe it's time, you know? And so like, it was like still a blur. All I remember was I dialed HR in that parking lot and I'm like in autopilot mode. And I just said, I'm not coming to work next week. I'm going on medical leave and everything in between that. I can't remember what I said. And it was just like, when I hung up the phone, all of a sudden I was like, Oh shit, there's no turning back now. <laughs> this, I knew what was going on. I just wanted to take a week off at first, but I knew in my heart it was going to, this was it. And so yeah, really, like a couple of weeks went into it. My doctors were like, yeah, man, you, you're not really employable anywhere. Like you, you lose your shit so easily right now. Um, you shouldn't work for anybody, you know? And, and look, I had a job with my doctor briefly helping coach new people. And like, I had a conflict with the office. They fired me. Like, I lost my marbles, man. I've never been fired in my whole life. And I was fired, but he kept me as a patient, thank God, because he knew who I was at my core and he knew I was hurting you know, but I looked healthy on the outside. Right. I looked like this. I still looked healthy. And so I just looked like a raging tool to a lot of people. You know, he's selfish. He's lazy. You know, everyone gets tired. Everyone gets stressed. It wasn't a brand name disease that I had. You know, right. if I said I had cancer, people would be, oh man, that's tough. You know, but this stuff people didn't understand. And my behavior was so off the wall. My character was so shifted and rocked that, man, it was, it was devastating sometimes because I would lash out at people and I, I couldn't stop it. I felt horrible inside, hmm. you know? And so, yeah, when I, I remember finally though, that moment came when I was just like, told my wife, I was like, you know, I don't think I'm going back. I just can't. And I remember her saying like, we have no plan like on how we're going to survive. We have an infant son and she's just like, well, it's about damn time. <laughs> you know, it was just like, I was like, wow. I was like, well, somehow we're in this together here. But the first thing I did when I went on medical leave was I was like, all right, I wrote, I remember I'd lived in Austin for like seven years by that point, And I had zero friends in Austin. Like I was always traveling. I had no community, no sense of community. And I forgot that was something so important to me. I used to volunteer. I used to be involved. Like I didn't do any of that crap anymore. All of my value was determined by, by my performance in my job. That's it. It was one stream of value. That was it. And so I said, I've got to do things differently now. I can't grind away at building this new business. I'll get, I don't have the energy for it. I'll, I'll get sick even more sick than just working myself to death. So I got to do other stuff instead. So I made a list of like 30 people, you know, both locally and from afar that I wanted to get on the phone with or have coffee with and just hear their story. You know, I, there were people that I respected, people I looked up to. I didn't know a lot of them that well. Some of them didn't even know who I was, but I just got on the phone, sent them an email, said, hey, I would love just to talk with you. Like, I don't want anything from you. I just want to have coffee. I just want to hear your story. I'm fascinated with your journey. Let me hear it. And that's it. And it really weirded people out at first. They were like, what do you, what do you want? Right. And I was like, I don't want anything. Can you just tell me like what you've been through? All right. And then they opened up and they started telling me these great stories. Unintentionally out of that though, what I got was all these doors opened up. People started asking me this question. What can I do for you? I didn't know how to answer that. I was like, oh. But I started, what I did say was, is like, well, who do you know that's got a great story that I could talk to also? And just kept expanding my network, you know? But I had a sense of community. I started volunteering at my church. I started volunteering with other people. I got involved and I did things that were life-giving, you know, with whatever energy I had. I spent time with my family. I started playing music again, you know? Picked up the guitar, started playing that again. I was like, man, this feels good, you know? And then I worked on my business on the side. You know, but the one thing I learned about my business was since I couldn't afford all these tools, all I had was LinkedIn was I did this one thing every day until I got it down. I realized like I, all the tools I invest in are shit unless I know how to talk about what I do. Mm. So I purposely put myself in situations where people would ask me that damn question. What do you do? <laughs> you know, cause I didn't know how to answer. It was so messy every time I was like, uh, I transform people. I'm good with people. I, I help people. You know, I just didn't know how to answer it you know, in a way where people's eyes didn't glaze over, mm -hmm. you know, but I put myself in that position every single time I could until I could get comfortable with it. Cause I was like, man, if I don't know how to answer that question, I have no business spending any money on this business. 
Like, it just, it's stupid. I got to learn how to talk about this. If I don't have the guts to talk to somebody at the line at Starbucks about what I do, you know, a random stranger, then why am I going to invest money in this thing and look for some magic pill? I got to do the work. I got hands dirty. So this whole thing of building the business in the beginning was grassroots, baby. Like it was a grassroots mentality. I leveraged every blessing I had from my retail past that I learned, the business acumen, all of those things I realized, the things that burned me out in life were also things that I had advantages over that my peers didn't necessarily have training in. I was like, man, I, gotta, I can't forget about that experience. I can't disown it. I got to leverage that. That was training. Right. I'm going to do this shit. You know, and so, yeah, I, I started using LinkedIn. I started using my community and I just did the work every day. I never had a budget for marketing or advertising because I couldn't afford it. Dude, there were times when I was going to see a client in town and I didn't have gas money to go see them. Like I had to bum money. It was like, man, I got to have money so I can actually make some money. This sucks. This is humbling, <laughs> you know? And we still, we lived in this beautiful house on paper. Everything looked good, you know, yep. until my friend said, Hey man, you need help. Like you're going downhill. And uh, if we had lost the house, man, we didn't have credit to really get anywhere else. Like my wife was out of work. And so my friend set up a GoFundMe page for my family at the time. This was only like three years ago, man. And like, here we were like publicly going to ask everyone for help. Like that was humiliating to me. I was like, no, no way in hell, man. Like there are people going to judge me. And you think, nah, he's just lazy. He's selfish. There he goes again. You know, he's got a nice place already. Screw that. Like this guy's an idiot. And uh, again, that fear, that voice told me that there's a purpose for this. And so my wife and I, we just kind of surrendered to it. We said, all right, launch it. We told our story. We put it out there. My friend launched it. Then five minutes, someone put 300 bucks in my bank account. And that moment, I, you know, this was just someone that I just started to get to know. And they put 300 bucks in my bank and it just immediately slayed that dragon, you know, that I'm not worth it. I'm not, you know, I don't have value that people don't care about me. Just slayed it instantly. And I was like, man. And so from there, like a lot of people really reached out and helped us. And I just did everything I possibly could to make the best out of it, you know? And I found a balanced way of doing it without working myself to death. Cause that that whole mentality of like, you got to give up sleep to make your dreams come true. I was like, bullshit. Like giving up sleep is what got me sick. Almost killed me. You know, Um, I got to sleep. I need to focus. Like I can't complain about being sick if I'm feeding myself garbage every day, if I'm not going to the gym, if I'm not sleeping enough, if I'm not making time for like prayer meditation and I'm not surrounding myself with great people. Those five things are my supply lines. I, I, if you don't protect your supply lines, man, you're setting yourself up for a loss. Those things you have total control over. The rest of life, you know, isn't that, there's not much you can control, but those five things, man, I cannot bitch about my life if those things are garbage. So I took control of that stuff and instantly started changing the game, man. Like the stuff I had was really debilitating at times, but like uh, I really was able to overcome a lot of that stuff. And the business started growing and growing and growing and momentum was building. There were hills and valleys along the way, stuff that scared the crap out of me, stuff, times where it felt like things weren't going to work out. But like every time, man, I just remembered like I can survive this. It'll work out, you know, because honestly, like for me, having faith means like it's not going to make logical sense. Like, and sometimes logic just is a real bitch and gets in the way of doing like, and it really gets in the way of success. Logic is sometimes fear. Like sometimes fear likes to hide in logic and says, well, yeah, it just makes sense. You don't have enough money. It's on paper. It doesn't make, just, you don't have the money. You don't have the time. And I'm like, suddenly though, I'm realizing like, but it's working out somehow. Somehow it's working out, man. So yeah, I just kept doing, I kept plowing away. And I'm telling you, like, uh, by, uh, it was at least like a year later, a year after that, I was doing a speech in Irvine, California, and I was still pretty sick at the time, but I had had enough energy to do this talk about LinkedIn at this uh, beautiful uh, seminar. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, like, man, I'm having the time of my life at this thing. And thinking like, wow, I just, but I don't have the health or the energy to work with the number of clients I need to, to pay my bills. And I had this voice I heard for me in my faith, I heard this voice telling me, well, why don't you just raise your rates? I was like, can't raise my rates. People will say, no, I'm not, I've been doing this that long. And again, you know, God, that voice came back to me and said, I didn't ask for your opinion. I just said, raise your rates. Shit. All right. I'll raise my rates, you know? And I raised my rates to a level that made me super uncomfortable to say out loud. Like I wanted to throw up in my mouth every time I told people what I charged. And then someone said, yes. I was like, no shit. 
<laughs> like, you know, and that changed everything. You know, I stopped playing myself short, you know, and I stopped devaluing what I did. I stopped giving away what I did for free too. I was like, this is my purpose, man. This is my craft. I'm not giving this thing away. No one's going to take me seriously. You know, so I started charging more and more and more for it. And I, and I started putting a value on, I started putting a value on myself too. And I started owning that, you know? And so uh, it changed everything. And I remember finally saying, like I went on a trip to Colorado Springs. I'm at the garden of the gods in 2016 and uh, watching the sunrise before I go to this men's retreat out in winter park. And I remember watching the sun coming up and I just declared it out loud. I was like, I am no longer sick. Like all those labels, I'm done with it. I'm no longer sick everything's going to work out. That changed everything, man. Because by the time, uh, yeah, it was around 2016, 2017, like everything changed, man, had the best time ever. And I started overcoming a lot of my health issues. I still got some of the stuff now that I work through, but dude, it's nothing like it was 15 medications down to three now. That's awesome. you know? And it took, and after a couple years of running my business, I'm four years into this thing, man, I completely replaced that old salary I had in corporate with my own business working half the amount of time you know, doing it my way and having a mind blowing experience now, you know, like I'm loving it. And it's not just my work anymore that fills time with my wife. You know, I'm hiking mountains. It's good times, man. That's awesome. Things, things are changing. Man, I gotta tell you, you've got a hell of a journey, hell of a story, man. Um, uh, and I really hope people listen to the details in there and, and got the golden nugget you dropped about just keep going after and keep going through it, man. Yeah, so um, I ranted for quite a while. Oh, dude, I, I would have cut you off. I had a lot of caffeine, so. <laughs> You're all good, brother. All good. Um, Matt, dude, seriously, thank you for coming in here and sharing your story, sharing your journey with the champions listening to the show. Um, here's how I like to wrap up everything. And I do yeah. stump some people with this, so, so stand oh, by. Oh, boy. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> if you were going to leave the champions who listen to this show, with a quote, a phrase, a mantra, a saying, you know, something they can take with them on their journey, especially if they're stacked up against it, trying yeah. to figure out where to go. What's that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. Live with a courageous heart. Like that's <laughs> been my model from day one. Live with a courageous heart. And here's where that comes from for me. Um, one, it's my life purpose statement. You know, I have a life purpose statement that says, I am the courageous heart that passionately beats to empower and serve the hurt, broken and lost. So every day when I wake up, that's an identity I step into, you know, and remember like that's my purpose in life is to serve that group of people, that same group that I was. And there's also, whether you're a faith or not a faith, you know, I've got a scripture in my headline on LinkedIn, 1 Samuel 17, 48. And what's cool about that is it references David and Goliath. <laughs> and what it references is this, it says, David ran towards Goliath. Who runs towards a nine foot monster, you know, with just a couple of stones in his hand and has no fans on either side of the field. It made me think in my life, what giants are in my life that I should be running towards, you know, and that's the reminder. That's like, and living with a courageous heart means living a life aligned with your values, not the values defined by someone else, but your values. That's living with a courageous heart, being fearless of the judgment of others, being willing to hear people call you crazy and still going after it because going after it, you're following that peace that's right here. And it doesn't mean just because you're following the peace doesn't mean it's easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to stretch you, you know, but man, the transformation that's on the other side of that, bro, that's what you got to go after. That is living with a courageous heart. That's, that's taking the risks in life. You know, when you don't, when your back's not up against the wall and choosing to go after it anyways, because that's what you're called to do. So dude, that, that's my thing. Awesome. Live with a courageous heart. Love it, dude. Man, it's going to be fun to continue to watch your journey as, as you continue to take on life, man. Thanks oh, for yeah. jumping in and letting us be a part of your story, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. If you need content for your company, and you're struggling to figure out what should I put out there, how should I put it out there, or you know what can I do to make my company get more exposure on social media, go check out successchampions.us. You know, because of the podcast boom, several people are really looking in to launch their own podcasts, their own shows, so they can get their own message out there. Well, why don't you come hang out with us? We've got a, a Facebook group called So you want a podcast and you know just go to facebook type in so 
a comma, you want to podcast and come hang out with a bunch of us as, as I teach everything that I've learned on my journey to running a successful, profitable show. So check us out. So you want a podcast. Looking forward to seeing you there. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to, to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.